Hey, listeners, so a quick little trigger warning here. This episode does talk a lot about sex and sexuality. We delve into virginity, so this might be a good one for kiddos that you have around to skip. Hi, everybody. I'm Roxy. And I'm Priska. And we are the two horny girls. We're just two horny goats climbing the mountain of life. Eating Asian-American stereotypes for breakfast. Yum, 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 yum. (laughs) Welcome everybody to season two, episode 13, where we will be talking about virginity. Virginity. As you all know, I've been down the TikTok space yeah, this entire year. I've been learning so much, Priska. It's amazing. It's amazing. And I go through different spaces and I tell you about them. Like yes. I'm on Food Talk right now. Yes. I'm on Indigenous TikTok right now. Hey. And like really, I think something that's been surfacing for me that I found so enlightening and also not spoken about yeah. is the invisibility of older virgins. Oh, interesting. Okay, and tell most me about of this. them are women. And I'm not saying that men don't go through this as well, but that's the problem, sure. right? Is that there's so much shame associated with being a virgin and also not being a virgin. Interesting. Yeah. And there are these completely cool people, you know, they seem, they're like rad, beautiful And they're like, hey, I'm 27 or hey, I'm 32. Mm. And I just want to normalize the fact that no, I've never had a long term partner. B, I've never had sex before Mm. and I've never been kissed. Mm. Mm. You know what I mean? And I think in culture and media and history, they've constantly like painted these people as like unattractive or like, you know, the black sheep. Mm -hmm. Right. Ugly. And you were saying this has pretty specific implications in Asia. Oh, well, I'm speaking about it just because I know it from personal experience Mm. and by my observations. And the fact that, as we've talked about before, um, Japan, Korea, Taiwan's becoming old people country. Yeah. So basically, uh, we're not getting coupled. We're not marrying. We're not having kids. Mm. A lot less people are doing that. Mm. So the connection for these heterosexual unions are decreasing. Because I know in Japan, there's so much shame and secrecy around sex Mm -hmm. that people don't even want to connect with the opposite sex if they're straight. You know, they don't even want actual penetrative sex. I think we talked about this a little bit last night at dinner too, because um, Preska and I were sort of talking about repression of Mm -hmm. sexual desire and what that subculture sort of creates. Right, right. Like we could talk about hentai, we could talk about Japanese porn, like, you know, like on the surface, it feels very repressed. Everyone's very proper and, you know, you do things the right way. But at the same time, like there are those um, people who are willing to be stuck inside by themselves for the rest of their lives Mm. and just live through porn and, you know, their fantasies rather than having to take action by trying to achieve it in real life. Right. And I think the older you get and the more you haven't had sex, the more you fear it or have anxiety around it. You you know what I mean? You almost feel like you somehow expire. But I I, I think that's a that's a myth. You know, that's definitely not true. But, you know, I do know people like that and I'm Mm. sure you do as mm-hmm. well like in Taiwan I definitely know people that have been virgins yeah. their whole lives in their 40s and 50s and they don't talk about this they don't admit to anything ever we don't ever broach that conversation mm-hmm. it's very uncomfortable it's very uncomfortable yeah and it's they're afraid of it and they're afraid of how they might be perceived and they're still caught up in the shame of losing virginity but also caught up in the 
shame of being a virgin still. Exactly. Right. Like I would hear, you know, my female family members say, oh yeah, that's whoever, whoever. And mm. she's never gotten married her whole life as it's, it's a terrible thing. Wow. Right. And then I bet she's never even like known a man before, you know? And, and I'm just like this, like how they live with that, like yeah. here, I feel as if, you know, in LA and on TikTok, you know, like in these internet spaces, these people coming on, showing their faces, yeah. admitting this openly because they know there's a community out there yeah. of people that feel the same way as well. Right. And I think, you know, we, we talk about sex a lot on this podcast, right. but it doesn't mean that sex is the way, the truth and the life. Like it definitely doesn't, no. like sex isn't everything. Like it's a part of life. But like we were just talking about the, like the other day, like sex is a lot more mundane, like than we give it credit for. Like, I think we like Hollywood sells it a certain way. Society sells it a certain way. But at the end of the day, it's just a type of, of personal interaction. And why do you think we tend to over-sexualize bodies? And why do we over-sexualize the concept of sex itself? I'm not sure like too much so historically, but I think in the U.S., like just taking puritanical values and running with it. And the more you... Um, the more you repress something, the bigger it gets, you know? Yeah. And so we have generations and generations of kind of creating this mythos around the, the female body, the human body, um, over-sexualizing genitalia, over-sexualizing the female form. And that's just continued to kind of expand and grow. And that almost becomes like the priority rather than developing real human connection. Right. I mean, we see it on Tinder. We see it on these dating apps. Yeah. It's like nowadays it's like, oh, by the third day, I should have slept with this person yeah. Yeah, that's to like determine a how I'm feeling about about this person you know what I mean like all of this trickles down from the root of virginity and you know I think with virginity also comes this idea of like celibacy is it a choice is it is it something that that you are just not interested in sharing a sexual experience with another person and I think that's totally great and beautiful and fine I know we should also normalize that as well yeah like it's okay to. to not have sex for a long period of time and you know I did talk about you know frequently about my two and a half year celibate right you know sort of run and I was shamed for it. By who? B- by people around me. They were like, oh. Like, you need to get laid, bitch. Yeah, like yeah that? exactly. Oh, sh- and, like, and seriously? Yeah, like- yeah. Like, seriously. Oh, and, my God. Um, and they're just like, oh, you didn't get some. Like, that's not good for your sexual health. I'm like, you don't know what's good for my sexual health. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Throwing throwing your pussy around too much. That's not great <laughs> for your sexual health, you know? But you can throw your pussy around, though. You can though. Put, we, throw your pussy around. You can do whatever you want. It's but, not always healing. But but I'm just saying that, like, you're, you determine your own health. But yeah. But I think the point of this episode is we really want to try to normalize like mm-hmm. what was unspoken for so because let's be honest, right. like talking about sex is such a taboo thing and it creates more oppression Yeah, and it oppresses women. It oppresses men. Mm-hmm. You it know does, what I mean? Does. Like the patriarchy of, you know, this concept of, of virginity hurts all genders. Yeah. 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 And there's shame involved for both genders, even though they cut maybe different ways. Right. I mean, it's definitely still there. And I think if we can't share the truth about ourselves, then we are not as enriched as like a human population. Totally. Because like if we just assume all these things about each other and then hide things about ourselves in relation to those assumptions. Yes. Like then those assumptions only get reinforced and the reality of it and the the mundane aspects of it and the truth of it never comes to the fore. Yeah, because like when I was growing up, I didn't really get to talk to anyone about this. Mm -hmm. And if I could be using this episode for any sort of reason, it's like, oh, what I wish I would have known at that younger age. I wish I didn't have to feel like I was rushed or that people were watching me or that 
that people cared about whether or not I was right. virginal or not. Because I think we have slightly different experiences. For sure. Because you're coming from a place where your friends are like, yeah, we fucked under the bleachers. Right. But you haven't? Yes. Right? Like, yes. So what was that like going through that? Well, I think in high school I was surrounded. I was in color guard. So there was a, you know, team full of mostly women. I would say like 90% like women (laughs) um, or girls, I would say. And uh, dating was constantly at the forefront of conversation. Who are you dating? Who's your boyfriend? Right. Right? Because it's a status symbol. It is. Right. Like to be coupled is like privileged. Right. Uh, And it was like, oh, you're desired, you're wanted and you're cool. Right. Like a lot of us haven't had relationships yet. No. And even if you have a relationship, none of them are necessarily healthy or moving in any direction. Like we don't, we didn't know that at the time. And I was like, fuck, I'm like single and I don't know what it's like to kiss a boy or like, I don't know any of these things. I had to find a way to like rush my timeline. Right. Right. Because there's all this talk. They would be talking about sex. Right. And it would be like, oh, like he took it or like whatever. And it becomes a secret club. Yeah. You know, like these girls get to talk about the sex and I'm like okay, I feel like I'm on the outside. Like, how do I get on the inside? Did you ever feel like, because like we've talked about your body and how you developed kind of young, did you ever feel like people assumed that you would be more sexually experienced? Yes. I think because of my personality and how I come off, people think I'm highly sexual. And I am, like my breasts have developed into this since I was 13. I've always been very voluptuous. Yeah. So with that, as a teenager, you're constantly sexualized. Wow. People talked about my tits very openly in high school. Really? Yes. Adults? And adults. (gasps) What would they say? My coaches. No. Yes. What would they say? They'll be like, those are magnificent. No. <laughs> yeah. That is pervy as fuck. I know. But that's something you just learned to take in stride. Like, even as you're saying this, you're like, I mean, they say it, whatever. It's but, fine. but here's the thing is I would try to hide my tits, mm. right? Because I have them, they're, you know, huge. And, um, and I would feel like, oh, I feel dirty and raunchy. And of course, you know, my mother raising me, she also had that whole you know, sort of purity complex as well. Oh. She's like, okay, here's your timeline. You 16, no dating before 16. And mm-hmm. then you can go date in college. And then at college, you'll meet the love of your life. And then you'll get married to that person. Yeah. And, then and then you'll start- locked down. Exactly. Yeah. You're like there for the rest of your life. Yeah. You know, like our our parents, our mothers only had had one person their yes. whole life. You yeah. know what I mean? So- Only one person has entered the chamber. Exactly. And so that's their mm-hmm. that's their story. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what they know. So obviously that's what they think that will- bring happiness, fulfillment, joy, completion. How it's just <laughs> crazy. Cause like we all know that's not true, no. you know, no. like now. So, um, that's a lot of pressure to put on a dick. It is. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I got really excited about this topic and I was just like, Prisco, we have to do this. But you and I have such opposite experiences and that's yes. super interesting because for me coming from the church, I never felt pressured to become like to lose my virginity, but I felt pressure to keep my virginity intact. Right. And, and that was, you know, I didn't kiss anyone until I was 22. And so it did affect my dating life. It affected the way, like my friends would consider me. They would kind of almost like write me off because I wasn't, I was still a virgin. So what did I know? Like how did, I didn't know anything about the world was kind of the assumption. At what age did people start talking about losing their virginities in your environment? I mean, I was pretty sheltered, but I think around 16 was Mm. when my friend was maybe, you know, my close friends were starting to lose their virginity, whether that was, you know, going to third base or going to, you know, whatever it was. Right. But they were exploring their sexuality, I think around 15, 16 years old, which I know is like on the older side, which is shocking to me still, because I remember being 15 and 16 and feeling so 
young and unprepared and like un uh, like afraid so afraid of sex you know it was like this dark like shadowy kind of topic that once you got pulled it was like this dark undercurrent that once you got pulled into it like there was no going back kind of feeling yeah know? they really fucking elevate and put like sex at such a pedestal that yeah. it becomes like this over complicated thing yeah which is why i'm so like i'm kind of jealous yeah. of like the fact that this generation has TikTok and Instagram where they could go on and they could bravely talk about what they haven't had and that it's okay, that it's normalized because it was so taboo. And being Asian American women, we had to be so obedient. So it's like, do we ever get to really have that rebellious stage? And I personally believe that every single human, you know, like we were watching David Cho's um, TV show last night and he says something that really struck with me. He's like, if you haven't had that rebellious stage, how could you know who you are? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. And how I think you come sex- out on the other side as an adult, right? A hundred percent. And he was interviewing Asa Akira. And mm-hmm. it's like, that's such a huge like marker right. in every human's life. Yeah. And then again, coming from the church, having so many, I guess, Asian American women is, is what we're kind of more familiar with. Once they do get married, they don't know how to ex- access their sexuality. They don't know how to access kind of their sexual prowess. <sighs> right. You know? Oh, I would love to talk about this because a lot of my personal friends yeah. are still not married or have kids yet. So I'm still, we're still sort of in the same vibration, yeah. but you have a lot of friends yes. that are on their second kid. Well um, into it. Yeah. Got married. I'm not saying they got married just to have sex, but they got married. They, they were in a rush to get married because they needed to have sex. You know what I'm saying? And now they have kids and, and all of that is really wonderful. But I think a lot of these Asian American Christian women, it, it, those are the people I'm more familiar with. They have a hard time accessing like themselves as like sexy and sexual and like vibrant and like wild and crazy and you know what I mean erotic all of this like it's difficult to access what does the adjective sexy trigger in that community is it bad is it good I think that it's like something only a husband and a wife should feel about each other but then like I think there's some like cool Christians that will like call other celebrity men's or whatever like oh they're sexy and it's like oh I'm bad like you know but I think that the, the term sexy it's like it is like pre-marriage, like it's dangerous. It's volatile. Mm. Um, it's temptation. Yeah. You know, it's it's bordering sin, right? It's, it's inviting sin, um, which is like so sad because it's like we are sexual beings. Like we're made to be sexual. And I did want to read like uh, like a quick quote before okay. we dive into this topic. Sure. Um, this is from Hayne blank of the New York Times is written like 10 years ago, but I found it really, really interesting. And it says, by any material reckoning, virginity does not exist. It can't be weighed on a scale, sniffed out like a truffle or a smuggled bundle of cocaine, retrieved from the lost and found or photographed for posterity. Like justice or mercy, we can only determine that it, it exists at all because of the presence of its effects or its side effects. Unlike many of our habits and practices, virginity reflects no known biological imperative and grants no demonstrable evolutionary advantage, nor has being able to recognize it in others been shown to increase anyone's chances of reproduction or survival. Perhaps this is why even our nearest animal relatives whose sexual behavior and social structures are often startlingly similar to our own in other respects show no sign at all of knowing what virginity is. Whoa. Like shit at our basis without the layering of religion, without the layering of cultural society, like just us at our basis, there is no 
actual existence of virginity other than in culture, in religion, in society. Again, a social construct, right? Yeah. 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 That is crazy because it's like, I feel such a huge determining point in a woman's narrative. Right, right. Like we uphold ourselves so much to this, right? Right. So let's go ahead and go ahead and jump into topic one because I want to go right into the core of this. The polarizing value of virginity, which we could call virgin shaming or unvirgin shaming. Ah, interesting. Right? Yes, yes, Because you get shamed no matter the fuck what. Right. Yeah. Right. Like I was talking about. Women can never be right. No, like I was shamed for having, being celibate for two years. That's just so crazy to me. It's like, are you hurting anybody by not fucking them? It's like, I don't, I didn't have a partner at the time. Yeah. And my friend was like, you should go through a hoe phase. And I'm like, do I really want to go? Like, sure. If I was that person, to. if I wanted to, I would, but yeah. I know myself. So it, it's just strange. Yeah. Like, I guess women's liberation mm. has evolved. And honestly, the most important thing is you got to decide what's good for yourself. Mm. But sometimes it's like, be cognizant of what it is that you're saying because right. you're invalidating somebody else through the intention of empowerment, mm. but you're still invalidating them. Right. Mm. So I just want to really go back into sort of history and a mm. lot of different cultures and why this has been a certain way. Like, yeah. you know, we were talking about how globally it's mostly a patriarchal system. Mm. Mm -hmm. even though women are the ones who bring souls into this earth. And it was for inheritance. It was for the purposes of being like, no, for sure. Like there was no Maury, no paternity test. There was no, you, you are the father. You're not the father. It was like, if I fuck a virgin, I for sure know that I put the seed in her bush tonight and it's going to come out my kid. That's some patriarchal bullshit. It's patriarchal bullshit. And, you know, I think the purity complex goes, you know, in many religions and many societies, pious young women who save themselves from marriage Mm. because their value is inherently higher if Mm. they're undamaged, quote unquote. Right. And so this was universal, though. This is in Asian culture. This is, you know, Greece. through in, in, yeah, like everywhere, Europe and mm-hmm. also like coming, like the whole world believed in this mm-hmm. that a young woman's virginity, no one entering her, her basically her vessel being mm-hmm. bare mm-hmm. is what made her valuable. Right. Mm-hmm. So then we could see this in virgin sacrifices for gods, Ooh, yeah. right? The nuns that serve like whoever they're serving in whatever temple mm-hmm. they're in, right? right? Um, virgin brides, young 12 year old virgin mm-hmm. brides being sold for a certain amount of money, mm-hmm. right? Brothels, um, selling off their virgin, right. you know, before it become, before she becomes like a part of the brothel. Right. Mm-hmm. But her first time a person could pay $10,000 for Jeez. her just yeah. to be her first, just to ruin her first. Yeah. And um, so being a virgin made, made you worthy, mm. you know? And then if we also talked about divorces, mm. like I knew that even in my parents' generation, divorce is still very taboo. Oh yeah, for you sure. Know? For sure. And um, they're just like, who wants a ruined woman? Yeah, because the assumption is that you're clearly not a virgin because you've been married. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's part of it. Like where does this concept of being ruined come from? Is mm. it talking about the vagina being entered? Mm. You know, like yeah. ter- ter- apart from having a kid like I think looking back historically it's easy to make assumptions about what virginity meant um, because it's changed over time you know and and some people wonder if the way it was described was more metaphorical whether it was more of, of of mind and different you know different levels and labels of chastity were given in different ways and sometimes it involved more so being sober being silent being of sound mind like there were different types of like I think we can look back and be like virginity that means absolutely no sex which I think obviously that's the implication and that's kind of the 
automatic conclusion, but it, it's also changed over time. And I think the more severe um, definition actually is held today. Do you think it's because people, men, reinterpreted what that meant, mm -hmm. the metaphorical aspect of it to suit their needs? Yeah. I think now that we have something that's very clearly like pop culture, it can become it's like making a meme like virginity is its own like conceptual meme you know it, it's understood as this like very this concept that's hard on all sides you know <laughs> hard um but like you know it, it, it's um it's very black and white in our society today i've also heard some of my friends who became born again christians mm -hmm. um after college that they talked about being re-virginized again. Have you heard of this before? Yeah, yeah. It's like God, the Holy Spirit zipping up your hymen, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And do you think that's possible for people to reclaim their virginity in a way like that's not physical? I think because it doesn't exist to begin with, yeah, you can right. reclaim your virginity. And I make jokes, but like, I'm serious. Like if that's what people and a lot of women who've experienced sexual assault or rape or, or toxic partners. Yes. Reclaiming that can be so important. So there, I think there's something really beautiful about wanting to reclaim your virginity, what, whatever that concept kind of means to you. That's beautiful because yeah. what it means to me right now, because I never thought of it as a mm. metaphor. I always thought of it as something super physical, but right. since you're bringing it into this context, for me, it just, it sounds like reclaiming your independence. Right. 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 Because uh, coming back home to you. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. Because yeah. when you are, when you lose your virginity or obviously when you have sex, mm -hmm. you're sharing your body with somebody yes. else uh, consensually or not. Mm -hmm. Right. You're being meshed, you know, like yeah. with another person and either that energy takes away from you. Mm -hmm. Right. Or you're meeting or converging at yeah. a certain point. But I love that because. What I never thought deeply about why I was, uh, you know, celibate during mm. those two years, because that was in my mid to late 20s. That's right. when I, you know, can be more sexually active, but I chose not to. Why is that? Right. You know, and I just thought, holy shit, that was when I was working on myself. Yeah. That's when I was putting the focus back onto myself. Yeah. And, and, it, it manifested in this physical decision, Wow! you know, and I think that's so beautiful because yes, the, the concept of virgin to me now is, is about coming home to you. Yeah. That's yeah. beautiful. And healing your sexual person, you know, yeah. like I think it's not even the sexual side of you. I think every layer of you includes some sort of sexual aspect, you know, yes. and at the same time, like there's no part of you that needs to be only sexual. You right. Know? So I, I think all of that, that's a very holistic way of looking at yourself as a as a being that is sexual, like, you know, and 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 what that means at every level and not just existing sexually to pleasure somebody else, but existing sexually as a way to move about in the world. Yes. Yeah. And also, can we just talk about how beautiful it is to be inexperienced in something? Yeah, like, it is. You know, and I was talking to Prisca about you know, a topic last night about my qualms with the inexperienced. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, I want this person to be more cultured. Mm -hmm. I want this person to, to know as much as I do, mm -hmm. you know, but that's not really a flex because when I see my friends who have never tried something before yeah. and then they're in their thirties or forties or even fifties yeah. and getting to experience the first time through them. Yeah. 
It's amazing. It's amazing. And I, you know, one of the douchiest things about going to film school is that everybody thinks that because they've seen Citizen Kane, like they're like <laughs> better than other people. Like they, you know, and if we look at that, like kind of like in relation to say virginity, it's like at any point you can go home and watch Citizen Kane and then you would have seen Citizen Kane. So there's nothing mis- mystical about it. There's nothing that's special. I about love it. that. You know, it's great. Like having sex is great and fun. And we talk about it a lot, but also like, being inexperienced in sex doesn't actually mean that much. It really doesn't. But, you know, it's like when you were talking about like, oh, you were sheltered. Yeah. Right. And then everybody else started talking about it. And I was in a similar situation. Yeah. But of course, my difference was I did watch a lot of porn since right. I was 13. But my whole thing was, how do I get there? And in the back of my mind, I have my parents saying, first comes love. Then comes marriage. Right. Then comes baby Sex. in a baby yeah. carriage, yeah. right? And then I said, "Do I? How do I get those other steps in? Yeah. Can I cheat it but still maintain that? Right? Is oral before or after <laughs> marriage? Like which one? Which direction? Yeah, totally. I, I felt this need to educate myself to a point because I was a virgin and I thought I was going to stay a virgin and I'd never kissed anybody. And I said it was because I didn't want to, it really was because no one wanted to kiss me. I literally would study Cosmo magazines (laughs) and read them end to end and go on jokes.com and learn dirty jokes because I wanted to like be in the know. Yes, I wanted to like be able to be in a group of my peers and not seem like out of place. It's interesting because this sort of goes back into assimilating. Yeah. Right. Totally. Wanting to be in, in, in the cool crowd, mm-hmm. wanting to be, at, but I, it wasn't even the cool crowd. It was just like normal, normal people, people. And I feel abnormal, abnormal yeah. with the normal people yeah. that yeah. they were ahead of us. And I'm like, I'm fucking behind. Right. But then at the same time, if you were in their shoes, they might think they're behind other people or they might feel so, even though they're sharing these things with you and they're bragging about it, like that doesn't mean that they didn't feel deep shame and embarrassment and found ways to cope with it by like making jokes about it or whatnot. I will be honest with you. The white girls at my um, high school or in my color guard, you know, they'll talk about sex openly. Yeah. yeah. And then there are Asian girls, my friends, who have had sex, mm-hmm. but they'll tell everybody they're a virgin. Interesting. And then I'll have another friend who's like, she's lying because I know that she slept with who. <gasps> and, and, but that's so insidious, too, that to, be able to, make, to be able to make comments like that because in, in a way, like the person who may or may not be a virgin is indefensible because you've created this idea that, oh, they're not a virgin. I know that. Exactly. Yes. And so this becomes like main gossip and people just talk about each other and you're shamed regardless of yeah. what you're shamed. Such if you're like, you know, it's like, I want to be a virgin. Yeah. You know, I, we don't know what happened in her past circumstance, yeah. but here we are judging her for it happening anyway. So when you found out that you had friends who were lying about being a virgin, yeah. Did that make you think, oh, I'm going to have to lie about being a virgin if I lose it? You know, it's interesting. Now that I'm thinking back on it, I was Mm -hmm. like, what did I say back then when they were talking about sex? Mm -hmm. I definitely pretended like I knew. Wow. Because I watched a lot of porn. Yeah. So I'm like, if I can't have it, let me at least educate so I could sound like I know what I'm talking about. And it's better to fake it, right? And if you bring info, then people assume, oh, well, then she's done it. Yes. But I think everybody knew that I... (laughs) Everyone knew that I I was a virgin. Everyone definitely knew I was a virgin. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Like, 
I couldn't like yeah. got to a certain point and I'm just like, what do I say now? You know, like, how do I, how do I, how do I bring in some new information? I was like, yeah. And then we do this Kama Sutra move. Yeah. Like, you know, it feels like, like a bag of sand. Spread eagle. And we did contor- contortion. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pearl necklace. It's, ew, it. it's, it's crazy. No, it's like, you're going sex. so like beyond that. They're just looking at you and they're like, yeah, there's no clearly way you could have done. Never done you've anything. clearly not. And I like, don't know how you know ejaculation works you know what i'm saying (laughs) but i just also want to pinpoint you know what i was talking about earlier in terms of like um early mythology and early culture is that like while a women's you know value was hinged so much on this one particular act Mm. um men you know he is valuable or in control no matter what his sexual circumstances whether he's a virgin or not right like young emperors when they were 13 years old had like hundreds of concubines Mm -hmm. right and then um his only thing would be like oh how many kids can he have how Mm -hmm. many sons can he have right the concept of virginity is used to hold power over the female mind and body it's a you know patriarchal tool to just control us yes right but it also doesn't serve men is is basically what i'm saying too especially not in the modern world no Mm, i mean i will go into this a little bit deeper i think prisca can also give us more insight on this when i talk to my guy friends like you know jaw is very open you know and yeah, I consider him quite feminine mm-hmm. because he's so able to talk about all of these things without discomfort to, with women. Mm-hmm. And um, he's like, yeah, like when I'm with my guy friends, I'm like, baby, you have guy friends. <laughs> like, I, I don't imagine you like eating snacks and watching football. He's like, I don't do that. <laughs> but I do have guy friends. And, you know, it's like what we talk about. We don't really talk about these things. Right. Sex is, you don't really talk about. Yeah. And I was like, do you talk about like our sex life with like your other partner? He was like, no, it's like wow. sort of, I just keep in it. And that's like so wild to me because I talk, he's like, do you talk about it with your girlfriends is it sort of like an open thing I'm like because we were repressed for so long and we finally are in a space of honesty where we could talk truly about it I think that's where it's different right your manlyhood right that's true and I think also I I I think about this pretty often but as women when we are when we're having penetrative sex typically with a man it's happening inside of us and it's such like a it's not an externalized thing. It's an internalized thing. So I feel that we are actually like more comfortable sharing a bunch of details because it's kind of like happening within us. us. Within us. Yeah. yeah. It's occurring. It's like me talking about my stomach ache or something, you know, it's like, so it was like kind of bubbly at first and then like turned into gurgles and then, you know, went on the, the crapper or whatever, but like it's happening inside of us. So it's like, we're having all these internal like responses, like your organs are being like moved around. Shifted. Yeah, yes, exactly. Totally. Um, it, it's so interesting. Like so many different psychological things lead to like women feeling actually like more well-versed in talking about sex. Cause I know we're talking about the binary male, female, yeah. and we're not talking about, you know, queer sex or queer we're relationships. Yeah. Um, because this is mostly to talk about, you know, like how far back this shames women and women presenting people. You right. know what I mean? It is very dichotomous. It is. Descriptor. So yeah. uh, apologies if we're not really touching upon, you know, like queer sex mm-hmm. in this, but, um, cause that's definitely different from this, I think, because we're talking about like penises, right? Yeah. They are invading the body. They are. Right. And yeah. then we're the ones receiving. Right. Right. And it, it's just, it just breaks my heart to think about like, I don't know why I'm thinking about this, but like the comfort women, right? you know and, what I mean? And I do, I think, you know, down the line, it'd be great to do an episode on the power dynamics in, in queer relationships. Love. And, but where are those coming from and how are those being redefined nowadays? Because I think if we were to look 40, 50 years ago, a lot of these power dynamics within queer relationships mirrored 
heterosexuality just yes. because that that was like the known template and now today like queer couples are redefining reimagining the idea of two people two humans being together and it's a fucking beautiful thing. i love that i love it so much i love it i remember this one friend in high school yeah. who i have to be honest i wanted to lose my virginity but at the same time i was scared of the pain interesting that was your main block yes and pain. i was i was and you hear about the blood Mm-hmm. You know, and you're like, how much blood is it? Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. what does it feel like? Right. I had a friend who took her own virginity by sticking up oh, an item. Breaking her hymen. Yeah, doing it herself. Is that losing virginity, right? Because then again, it's like virginity at what point, if we want to draw a line in the sand, what is losing your virginity? Because in those old days when you get the virgin bride, yeah. you have someone sitting there watching, either having you uh, commit the act or they examine the sheets. The sheets after. Yeah. For There's the usually blood. like yeah. a special thing for sitting on the, laying on the bed. Right. That holds the blood and they come out and they're like, woohoo, they fucked. She's yeah. a virgin. She's a virgin. It's true. Or even like, um, did you remember watching Memoirs of a Geisha? Yes. And, yeah. um, you know, I think Michelle Yeoh's character was yeah. sticking her finger up yes. um, Gong Li's, you know, just to see if there was somebody inside yeah. her. Yeah. And I remember back in the day, they can also have eunuchs or like whoever examine you or a doctor examine you, feel for your hymen right. to see if you're still intact. But if you're riding a horse, if you're doing any, yeah. you can pop, you can break your own hymen very easily. I was a gymnast. Mine was broken like probably way before. It was way before. Oh, so you didn't bleed for your first time? No, not not like not in that way. Was it painful though? It was still painful. Yeah. I mean, it was still tight, you know, and it was still uncomfortable and just like all of a sudden it's like it's touching nerve endings that you've never felt before. So your brain is kind of waking up in a certain way. Right. You know? Right. So um, it's it's like it's always been there, but it's like all of a sudden, like when a dentist is kind of like touching things in your mouth that you've never felt someone touch before. It's kind of similar to that, but obviously in a more pleasurable, pleasure-centered place. Yeah. Like I've known people who were just like, I wanted to have sex, so I just lost it to this person. Right. And then it's like, oh, and then I have my other friends that are like, but your first time should be special. Like yeah. everybody has put all of this expectation yeah. and so much importance. And I, and I agree, like everyone's story is different. Yeah. How you value it is completely up to you. Right. But there were so many conflicting thoughts because so everybody was afraid of that shame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's so it's like we're talking about male virginity and mm-hmm. female virginity. And, you know, it's emasculating for men. There's a double standard for men. Um, you know, they're shamed for being virgins, especially when they get older. I know a lot of men who just hired a stripper or hired a hooker for their first time just to get it over with, quote unquote, get it over with. Yeah. Oh my God. Like so many people like they, and, and in fact, like, you know, when they hit a certain age, they have older men mentors being like, let me just get you a girl so that you can get it out of the way. I feel like with men, Again, patriarchy does not serve men because they have to be macho. Mm -hmm. You have to be masculine. You have to know what you're doing in the bedroom. You know, at first I was like shocked, but then I understood why they would have, you know, a sex worker probably take their first time because there's confidentiality. Right. You have someone who's more experienced Mm -hmm. that could possibly teach you something. And if you have performance anxiety... This person, I mean, they don't mean anything to you, so it's fine. Exactly. You could get as much practice as you want before you're ready to like show whoever it is that you're intentional about. Yeah, which is so sad because like you're saying, the patriarchy does not serve men because that fumbling and discovery and confusion and all that is is intimacy building. 
Yeah. You know, like when uh, it's like, oh, what do you like? Do you like this? Do you not like this? Oh, no, I can't get the bra off. Oh, no. Like all of those like clumsy things about sex, like they're also what make it the two of you having sex very specifically. These two humans who are learning about sex, learning about each other, learning about their own genitalia, et cetera, et cetera. That's intimacy building. We've effectively removed that from men in popular culture. That's so true. It's fucked up. It's fucked up. So again, like sex is not what we thought it was. Yeah. Hearing that breaks my heart because I'm like, this is unfair to men to imagine the immense amount of pressure. Yeah. They have to lose their virginity. And also it's like, like all the, I, I bet you so many people in their lives have lied about their first time, whether it's like, sure. oh, it is my first time with you because you're special where in fact they have done it before. Yes. Right. Right. Or, um, you know, a woman feeling like, um, I know what it is that I'm doing when yeah. in fact she's never done it before yeah, as well. yeah. or having to hide her hymen or having to hide that, yeah. you know, to come off experience because she may seem sexual beforehand. And what a frustrating dichotomy for yes. women, like, because we're saying men are shamed for, for, for being virgins. Women for the most part of their kind of adolescence and early adulthood, they're shamed for not being a virgin. Like not so much like in American culture, like, yeah, it's different. Like, you know, uh, women liberation, women's liberation and um, autonomy over her sexuality is more, more widely accepted here. But in Asia, like in Christian circles, in religious circles in general, like it's so highly prized for women to be, to remain virgins. But then all of a sudden, I don't exactly know when it flips and it's like, then older women become shamed for their inexperience, their inability to perform, their dusty pussy, their, you know what I mean? They're being a shrew, they're being like old maid. Yeah. How come we have these two things that literally women are caught in their entire lives? I have no clue. It's fucked up. It's fucked up. And I wish this goes back to what we were talking about before the emphasis yeah. and the oversexualization yeah. of sex and bodies. Yeah is a huge root problem for why things are the way they are now. That you're getting shamed for whatever fucking decision you make. Yeah. You know, I grew up in the church and in the, in the evangelical church or in the conservative church, one big issue, and we may have touched on this before, but maybe not in this context, is a lot of Christian women can't extricate sin and sex. They cannot separate it. So even though they're married, it was even though, yes, it, like the education was like sex is only good in marriage, but you can't tell someone that something's wrong their whole lives and then all of a sudden just like open the floodgates and expect them to be fine with it and expect them not to have the same same hangups, you know? Um, so a lot of them go through like this kind of weird, like reverse chastity belt situation where they have so much anxiety and they feel so dirty um, they feel so dirty after sex, but they still want to do it because that's like their wifely duty. Oh my God. And that's they're, crazy. They're like vaginas literally tense up. They don't like lubricate and they, they experience extreme pain. So it's like psychosomatic that leads into this kind of cyclical thing. And then a lot of them will end up, you know, and I, I can't speak like for everyone, but just statistically, a, a lot of them end up having sex for the purpose of rearing children. Before it's like, no, 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 chastity belt. You can't open up the floodgates underneath. You get married and then suddenly it's like, okay, you have full permission to do it every night. I have a Mormon friend who, you know, um, he got married to his wife very quickly. Mm. And he said, I'll be honest, Roxy, it's because I wanted to have sex with her Mm -hmm. and I couldn't. 
Mm. You know, so he's like, I proposed early because mm-hmm. I wanted to have sex with her. It, it's that repression, you know yeah. what I mean? Getting to somewhere quickly because of this one yeah. ideological sort of block, right? right? And uh, it just really breaks my heart to hear you say that about, you know, the women who tense up and can't allow themselves to enjoy it because it becomes a psychosomatic block. Right. Which yes. what the clitoris is there designed for your pleasure. Literally. Like by biology yeah. designed for so pleasure. So many nerve endings yes. in that little nubbin that goes not just above like where your urethra is, but up and behind, like over and over and around your vaginal wall. And because of the way society has constructed us to not be connected to our bodies, yeah. that is probably most the most men heartbreaking don't know thing. where the clitoris is. Yes, which and is the, crazy. Even somebody that I had sex with who whose body count was like you know fifty back when he was twenty seven, he could not find where mine was. Yeah, it's it's a tragedy, and yeah. and I I do think, and you know, this is just my opinion. I do think that mm-hmm. developmentally. In the past, like we're talking about virginity and, and you know, marriage and dowries, et cetera. But a lot of these girls that were getting married off were 15, 14, 16 years old. And they were having sex at this very young age, which like obviously like has its own implications and lots of things are wrong with that as well. But I think in this day and age, a lot of people are staying virgins before married before marriage up until their early 30s. And so it's like by that time, developmentally, not having sex, like that has so many different responses physically to that because it is something so foreign to your body. It is so something so, you know, you've, you've habitualized a certain way of living and now you're older introducing sex for the first time. It's gonna be complicated and can be even traumatizing, you know? And something that your brain hasn't been wired to allow yourself that sexual experience. And so when you have it at a later age, it's just it's just changing things. And I think I think this idea of Christianity and like holding people hostage with virginity for so long is actually like counterintuitive to the human like body. Exactly. I mean, you and I know that like body holds trauma, right? And so it's like um, when we were younger, we experienced all these things without a second thought. Mm -hmm. And it is until later that we go back and we analyze it. We're like, oh gosh, like this is where I need to heal. Right. Like um, that's why older women after a certain point, they're just like, if I'm not, if I didn't lose it at this point, why even go? Because the thing is that like, I'm I'm sure a lot of those women that I know in Taiwan, they don't want to like take a step towards intimacy they don't want that because they're fine where they are they've protected themselves they feel good without it for so long yeah there's something safe in living a life that you've already known exactly so why would you need to explore something new like I like this restaurant don't want to go to another one totally 100% so we're going to dive a little bit more deeply into our second topic after a short break so stay tuned Hi, Goatees. We love hanging out with you, and it's what we look forward to every single week. If you're liking what you're hearing, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It will help us a lot so we can continue to hang out every single week and make content for you. Thank you so much, and remember, stay horny. Hey, Goatees. Welcome back. We're loving this topic. We hope you are, too. My mind's being fucking broken open, dude. I know. This is crazy. I'm feeling all the, like, tingles in my vaginal area. (laughs) (laughs) 
But Roxy, I kind of want to bring us back to, you know, when you were in high school, when you were surrounded by more and more girls who were telling you they were having sex. And did you feel like in terms of your social status that losing your virginity was a requisite for being cool? Yes. Wow. Um, I know I talked about this briefly. I know you don't believe me, but I was really not popular. I still don't believe you, but I, I, I'm hearing you and I acknowledge what you're saying. I was the kid that people knew about. Like right. I, they know who I am, yeah. but also I wasn't the cool kid. I was the weird kid Interesting. Um, that didn't really have like a group. Mm. So I would just eat lunch with a different group of people every day mm. because I don't really feel like I belonged anywhere. But I, one thing about me was that I do carry my body with a certain level of confidence. Oh, yeah. So it's um, and because my breasts were really big and people talked about my breasts all the time. Mm. It was sort of that thing that identified me yeah. before anything else was the size of my boobies. Wow. Um, so I was already seen as a sexual object. Way too soon, way too early. And I felt weird being in that body because how was I being sexualized when I still haven't had sex yet? Oof. Yeah. And I just felt this disconnect. Hmm. Like I should be sexually experienced. Like I'm not matching my brand. And there's this weird guilt. I'm not matching matching my my brand. brand. And I felt behind. Mm. Right. And so I I was like, how do I catch up? Because I feel like a fucking fraud. Right. Because everybody else seems like they're getting boyfriends and like, you know, getting experience and making out. I remember when I first I talked about Everett. Oh God, I said his name. (laughs) Hi Everett, if you're listening. Um, You know, when we first had our kiss, I remembered it's sort of the same way that I remembered having my first time mm-hmm. in sex was that it felt very normal. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel the fireworks. Mm-mm. It was just lip smashing. Like yeah. Yeah. It's like elbow. A, a lot wetter though. A lot, a lot wetter. And like, you have to worry about your breath, which is like not a fun situation, but like, okay. So externally from a social standpoint, you're like feeling pressure to get it done, mm-hmm. but internally, privately, how did you feel about the prospect of you being entered? I was scared. Okay. Yeah. But I was like, I'm willing to get over this Mm. to fit in. Oh, wow. You were willing to shut down, like shut down any feelings you had. Because there was also that fear. If it doesn't happen now, will it ever happen? Like Mm. if I don't have any romantic interests right now, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it will never happen. Interesting. I'll miss my window. I'll miss my window. And, um, And so I was very insecure about the future. Mm. So, you know, going ahead and doing the deed, it wasn't a special first time. Can you, okay, can you tell us, set up the scene for us, if you don't mind? um, Yeah. Of the, you know, you, it sounds like you had a kiss first. um, (laughs) With a different person. With a different person. Yes. Where were you? What age were you at? You don't have to give too many details about the, the person, but what was going on with you when you finally did the deed? I was 17. And I it was in a car in the parking lot. <laughs> so um, 80s, like 80s movie. Yeah. Breakfast it, club. It was um, it was somebody in band. <laughs> also very stereotypical that band people are horny. And right? and, um, and also this person was not from school. Oh, interesting. Priska and I did an episode that uh, we pre-recorded an episode that's going to be played after this one. And um, she sort of calls out that I do restrain myself from Mm. certain things and I protect 
myself mm-hmm. in many different ways. I Every decision I make is layered with intention. Right. So I did it purposely because I didn't want to ruin my reputation at my school. Interesting. Yeah. And it just felt like an opportune moment. I felt like they were down for it. You yeah. know, like we saw each other at a, co- a couple competitions. And um, was it at night? Was it? It was basically like after school, like after wow. school. It wasn't really at night. It just basically just found a really dark corner of the parking <laughs> lot. And like I wanted to get over it with with it quickly Ooh. i wanted to know what it felt like right and um what kind of car was it it was a dirty sort of like suv okay type he was older he drove you know that's why he was able to come over oh, you know what i mean yeah and um we were making out and then it wasn't really planned mm. you know but i was like hey this is great yeah because then no one will know right and i can know i can know what this feeling is yeah you know and then i could be part of the in crowd and right. i could be like oh i know what that is so it almost didn't matter who it, didn't it matter. was yeah and afterwards how did you feel um uh, it was really painful mm. you know i bled and um uh, obviously uh you know he freaked out <laughs> Oh, he did. Yeah. Did that stop things? No. Interesting. So um, no, he freaked out, out. But then also, you know, wanted to keep going. Well, yeah. I, I think he freaked out over the fact that I was a virgin. Uh, because again, it's like I come off more experienced. I mean, right. at that age, no one really knows what they're doing. Sure, sure, right. Sure. You could go super hard, you know, or yeah. super whatever. And then they'll be like, OK, you know, yeah, I'm just yeah, yeah. going with it. Like I can do this, too. Confidence you know, is everything. nobody knows yeah. what boundaries were back no. then. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. you don't really know what your boundaries were. So it happened really fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, he had a condom. It was, it was, you know, we're not stupid. Mm. Thank God. Mm. Um, but (laughs) it wasn't, it wasn't, it's not something that I proudly tell people about, you Mm. know, it's not romantic. It's definitely not. I mean, if my kid asks one day, like I'll tell them, you know, how it went. Um, but it wasn't special. It wasn't in a bed. It wasn't anything like that. Did you like afterwards, did you look at yourself in the mirror and look for things that had changed no Hmm. oh I didn't do that all I could feel feel all I could feel in that moment in those couple of hours afterwards was fuck that hurt oh wow that's like the pervasive that was that was it it was just like god that hurt like that was not cool like I like what are they talking about wow and also because I didn't really have a connection with this person you know like it was sort of like a one-night stand but Uh like I guess I felt like I knew this person well enough by seeing them a couple of times like previous competitions was that the only time you guys had sex yes and then afterwards I didn't talk again really yeah 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 I think we both knew that like you know, yeah. th- that this isn't meant to like, we're not dating. Right. You well, know, because there's this very pervasive myth yeah. that when women have sex, they get uh, overloaded with dopamine and oxytocin and they get bonded to this person for life. But it's not true. No. And and I, I guess in my head, I romanticize that idea mm-hmm. because there was definitely some flirting happening mm-hmm. and. Um, I was, I was, you know, I thought this person was cute mm-hmm. and they thought that I was cute. Mm-hmm. And, and then it's like, okay, like, should we make out? I want to come, you know, like, should yeah. we like make out and stuff like that? And, um, but it didn't change the makeup of your identity. No, mm. it didn't. Um, I, I actually didn't feel that, wow. you know, I felt very good that I, I felt like if this happened when I was older, a hundred percent. Right. It would change the makeup of my identity. But because my mind was a mess back then. Right. You were just like, okay, I whatever. was so scattered. Yeah. And I just didn't want to be a virgin anymore. Right. You know? And, um, and so obviously my parents didn't know about it. Surprise dad, if you're listening to this, I really hope you're not uh, I know. Listening. I was going to say like, when you saw your parents, did you feel shame? 
It, no. Did you feel it was something you should hide? No. Interesting. It's interesting because like I thought that I would. Yeah. But also I was emotionally detached when I was younger. Uh, so I didn't think too much about anything. I wasn't sensitive. I wasn't, you know, my mom has taught me to never cry right. back then. Yeah. So it just, it just became meshed up into this whole bowl of things that I kept repressed within myself. Ooh. And of course, I think the biggest fear was, am I pregnant? You know, yeah, like yeah, even yeah. with the condom, you're just like, oh, the dick was inside of me. Oh my and, God. Yeah. Oh my God. Maybe I'm bleeding. one got away. Yeah, I know. I was just like, oh my God. And that, like, yeah. the, pre-cup, the, next, the pre-cup, the pre-cup. The next four weeks, like sitting in anxiety and being like, that was the worst mistake of my life because now I feel so scared. Oh my God. And the worst thing is when you buy a pregnancy test and it's like really only accurate after like 19 days and you're like, excuse me, (laughs) I cannot wait 19 days to like to know if my hormone levels are high enough to like show that I'm, you know, it's like so much anxiety. Yeah. I I will be honest with you. It felt like a check mark. It felt like, okay, Roxy, now, you know, because back then I was, uh, as you know, from my Zanga posts, very dark and very, um, you know, depressed. And I just thought, I would never have love. And so I would never have a boyfriend. Like I would, right. what if I don't, you know? Yeah. And, but at least I have this mark checked off on my list yeah. and I'm I've not done gonna it. die a virgin. Correct. Right. Correct. Ooh. I want to know about you. Set it up for me. I was such a goody, goody, um, pastor's kid only read like teenage romance novels about Christian chased romance. And then like, there was a series um, called, I think like the Christy Miller series. And it was like 18 books. Um, <laughs> and it was all about her basically being courted, like meeting the love of her life and they love each other, but they're Christian. And then he goes to missionary and then she goes on missions and he does worship. But, wow. and then, you know, there's like a three book series about them getting engaged and trying not to have sex, but being like sexually, like interested in each other and then finally getting married. And then they have sex. Um, and, and, you know, then they get married or after marriage, like that's the end of the book, basically. Like they talk about marriage and sex a little bit and then it's done. So it was like 10 years of my life devoted to this fucking series. Like (laughs) that's how it ended. And they only had sex like twice, you know, but they had like sexual urges a lot and they would like talk a lot about making out. So it got to a point that like, for me, I would only be able to like masturbate and fantasize about my wedding night. Okay, tell me more. So I would literally envision myself like before any fantasy started, it would have to be like right after the wedding banquet, my husband and I go up to the like bridal suite and that and we and like we can't keep ourselves off each other anymore. We come in the door and that's when it starts. That That is the beginning of all of my fantasies. Christian smut novels. <laughs> Christian Chris, smut. That's basically yeah, what it is, is Christian smut. Maybe we should make porn where the beginning of it always starts with, I do, you may kiss <laughs> the bride, you know? And then give you full permission yeah, to go what crazy. Yeah, was that L- Lars von Trier movie, Breaking the Waves or something, where they have sex like in the reception hall of their wedding. Wow. Like while everyone is like, at the reception, like they're in the bathroom fucking. And I, at the time being a little good Christian thought that was like, it was disgust. It was like gross. Cause they were like in a bathroom, but I thought that was like the hottest thing I'd ever seen. Because you are inherently a sexual person. Yeah. But I'm also a rule follower. So that must I, be so hard. Even in my own private time, I had to relegate my like fantasies to the inside of these, this box so when you fantasize about your honeymoon or yeah. the bridal suite, what did this person look like? Um, it didn't matter. Killian Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, Killian Murphy. I mean, I didn't even really like know who he was, but it was just this weirdly. Yeah, it was just this faceless dude that 
um, I had all these, almost like all these projections on like he was caring and like worship leader and like, you know, all this <laughs> bullshit. Wow. And that was like so attractive to me. So that's where I'm coming from. And at the age of 22, I'd gone all through college without holding anyone's hand, kissing anybody, touching anybody. Like I, I was completely chased, which is so like... It's like, whoa, that's crazy. But like, it's really not that like you're 22. Like that's so young. But at the time I felt aged out. Because you were isolated in your experience and no one told you the truth. Yeah. Yeah. And even like my Christian girlfriends had made out with boys, had had struggles throughout college, trying not to have sex or accidentally having sex. Like it was a whole, it ran the gamut of all of my like very devout Christian girlfriends telling me like what oral sex was like. And, was like, it how hard, hard for them to admit that? Was it hard for them to share that because of their beliefs? It usually came with a lot of tears. It was like oh. broken down. Like, and, you know, we did do it. But, and then, you know, but I think God forgave me and like, you know, all this stuff. And we're Holy struggling shit, with this. That's and crazy. You, we have such differing circles. Such different circles. Yeah. yeah. Like everyone felt so guilty, felt so dirty. And like me secretly being the sexual person I was, I kind of wanted them to have sexual conflict. You're like, please give it to me please in erotica me. Me context. Yes. Yeah. So I did have certain friends who were not Christian that like, I would say, exposed me to just being sexually active, which is not that big a deal, but not having all these hangups and just doing things with people because they wanted to. And I think that was really healthy for me, but because I was so entrenched in the church, wasn't relevant to like my life. And I recognize that like, like similar with drink to drinking, I didn't drink until I felt like I was ready. And I feel that I did the same thing with sex. That's amazing. But I did run into issues and I can only imagine like now that we're talking about older virgins how much more it's like exacerbated over time. Because even for me at 21, 22 years old, going out, dating people, um, once they found out that I'd never been kissed, it got awkward. Like things would get weird. Like either some people be like, well, I don't want to be the first person to disappoint you. Like, you know, and then some people were like, oh, I I definitely want someone more experienced. Hold up. I read a lot of smut when I was in college. Sure. And in those novels, it's like, the protagonist female yeah. is always inexperienced, but she had confidence and an attitude right. and like whatever. And then whenever the the male counterpart yeah. discovers this, yeah. they're always just like, oh, I can't wait to be the first one to teach them this. Right. But in reality, yeah. it's not that way. Especially with Asian Christian boys. So these are the boys that I was kind of talking to. What? Well, like other people too. But like actually like everybody who wasn't an Asian Christian boy was much more like fine with it like forward, you know? Um, Interesting. Yeah, but then I got scared because they were so forward that I was like, oh, never mind, like, and would run away. Like, so I, I was scared. Well, that was like your safe space, like, because that was part of the expectation yeah. that you'll be with an Asian Christian boy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they're, well, kind of. Like, I wanted to date other races and people and places, but I always felt like it, it at the end of the day, probably would have had to be a Christian boy back in, at the time. Understood. And then after I left the church, I went through this whole thing, which could be worth talking about one day as well, of being afraid that I was n- too secular for a Christian person, but too religious for a secular person. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So uh, anyhow, like I remember this one night, like this, this, this cute boy, like went back to his house um, after a worship thing. Ooh. <laughs> and he was so forward and like down to like, do, and he, we 
chased like moved around the kitchen island like maybe like 30 times like <gasps> i would move to the right and then he would move to the right and he would take a step forward and i would move so around hot. yeah but i was terrified and i like <laughs> needed to get out because i wasn't ready i was i i was afraid to lose control right because it, within the christian church the female body typically is weaponized is a minefield for sin you are just everything about you. If you didn't cover your arms, you're a minefield for sin. If your shirt skirt was too short, you tempted the men. Like it's that rape culture that we talked about. And so I was so afraid, afraid of losing control of him, losing control of not understanding, you know? And so I ran away. And so when I finally lost my virginity, it was to, to my ex, um, who is not your favorite person by any stretch, nope. but he was in the group of us like Christian kids he was the most like sexually curious and kind of, I would, I would even kind of like say more deviant g given our group, right? Not deviant in the larger picture. That is how I remember him. Yes. Yeah. He was very interested. He was very open about porn. He was very open about like, you know, wanting to have threesomes, group sex. Like, you know, he was open about a lot of that. I think it intrigued me as like a young person who had been so sheltered. It, it intrigued me that someone was so open about that. And, um, I pretty much went from like zero to a hundred, like first kiss. And then, you know what I mean? Very quickly from end to end, very quickly, um, end to end. Um, it's <laughs> so stupid, but I, I think that the first part of our, you know, when we were kind of just hooking up, I felt so empowered. Like I was like, well, why was this considered such a bad thing? This is just like, fun and it's not scary and you were in a relationship with him already at the point yeah, kind of like we were like remember when he'd break up with me every other week which is like a fun little trait oh fun um but yes we totally were not in, toxic it, yeah not toxic <laughs> at all it was a relationship in that it was a repeated you know a, a repeated a repeat occurrence um and so when we finally did have sex like at least it, it, it i did feel mostly safe and comfortable um and it didn't feel magical or that crazy it did hurt it wasn't comfortable but i wanted to be a good student of it so i felt like the first couple of weeks we were having sex like i was so like I want to get good at this. I was very like intent on that, very nervous about that, you know, um, which is interesting too, because that is also like performative for the male gaze, right? Always. Always. Yeah. Um, and I wanted, I, I remember the first time we were kissing, like we were making out and by the end of it, he's like, wow, like I never would have thought that that was your first time kissing or making out with someone. And what was his experience level? I don't want to say too much because it's like his life, but he was much more experienced than I was. And I think he found it amusing that I was inexperienced, but in a way, I think he enjoyed being the one to kind of like, I don't want to say corrupt, but kind of like taking an innocent girl and like taking her down kind of thing. So what was it like afterwards? We were at his parents' house. Well, cause he lived at home, which was like fine, <laughs> but like his parents were up in the morning and I like, wasn't supposed to be there. So I had to like sneak out of the house, which wow. was like, I was like 22, you know, it's like not that young, but I <laughs> snuck out of the house and then we had to like go somewhere and I like did my, cause we had to go to work. Um, we worked at the same place cause I had no boundaries back then. I got my boyfriend a job at the place I worked at, which was terrible, but we had to go to like, I think it was like a Panera bread or, um, one of those like bakeries. Um, what's the Korean one? The Paris, oh, Paris baguette. Yeah. And I did my makeup in a Paris baguette bathroom. I remember looking at myself in the mirror and I just felt this weird emptiness and I felt 
I kept looking at my face. I was like looking at myself. I was looking for things that were different. I was like looking for things that were visibly different. And I remember going home and like right before or after that, my mom was like, worked up the courage to be like, are you a virgin? And I was what? like, yeah. And I was like, what? yes. Oh, and, and she was like, oh, thank God. And so after that conversation, I think that was after, uh, after I'd lost my virginity, but I felt more shame because of her reaction, because of her like intense relief that I still was like, as if without it, I was losing some, you know, integral part of myself. Mm. I was still in the church. I was really confused. Um, I was obviously exploring and opening up. I was enjoying being sexual, but I really felt um, conflicted about what it said about me. Because so much emphasis was on, especially in our culture and in religion, it's yeah. like, it's not about what you think about yourself. Yeah. It's about what other people think about you. Right. It's always about what other people think about you. It is. Right. Like going back to like, you know, how people saw my tits, yeah. how people sexualize me, whether I'm skinny, whether I'm fat, whether I'm desirable. Yeah. Right. All of it sort of like comes down to that, your worthiness of value. Yeah. Right. And it's crazy that you were talking about looking for something visibly different. Mm -hmm. I remembered, I do actually remembered how I felt. I remembered I looked into the mirror because I read, I read a lot before I lost yeah. it. You know, like I read a lot of different that experiences. Yeah, I know that research. And <laughs> I looked at myself and I'm like, oh, I'm a woman now. Right. Like this yeah. is my, um, you know, like my gauntlet, you know, yeah. like my, my passing, my trial, you know, like yeah. I, my reckoning, right. like I'm a woman now, but it felt empty too, because yeah. like, that wasn't my boyfriend. That wasn't someone I lo loved, no. you know, that wasn't, I just did, I did, wasn't even on a fucking bed. Like, yeah. yeah. did I really just, I, I don't know. It never felt like it was perfect. No. Right. Yeah. And I think at that point, like just to show you how deep I was in the church, I felt well, I guess this might be okay because because I'm going to marry this person. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Mm, yeah. So that's how I kind of, at the time, like, I was like, well, I, I'm going to marry this person. So it's kind of okay in a way. Um, not the greatest. I did miss out on my fantasy of the honeymoon suite, you know? <laughs> but, like, I felt like, okay, well, we're going to get married. So um, this is kind of like a... Trial run. Trial run. Gray area. Yeah. yeah. I was on the flip side of that. Yeah. I was like, whoever I'm going to marry yeah. will get someone experienced. Yep. That's and so interesting. someone who thinks she knows how to suck a dick, even though she only did it once. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> it's like the secret to sucking a dick <laughs> is enthusiasm. That's all. And no teeth. <laughs> and conjuring a lot of liquids in your mouth. <laughs> yes, a lot. Conjuring a lot. lots of saliva. Yes. And, that's, and use that's your hands. Fun. Don't be afraid to use yeah, your hands. Just Come lubricate, on. lubricate, you yeah. know, tease the balls. Um. And, and yeah, and just look at your partner and what their reaction is. Like really key into that the more keyed into it you are the better you're gonna do uh this has nothing to do with virginity but i just want to say that um you can I, I think men struggle a lot with their masculinity during sex as well yeah i know everyone has sex differently and sex in itself is a world of exploration depending yeah. on who you're sharing your body with but um i remembered when i was younger and i didn't admit i didn't want to acknowledge that i'm queer you know, mm. and uh, I, everything I did was for the male gaze. I'm giving him a blowjob. And if he refuses to kiss my lips afterwards mm -hmm. and he thinks it's disgusting oh, if yeah. he kisses me after I just put his dick in my mouth mm -hmm. afterwards, I was like, this is your dick, dude. Yeah. 
like how insecure are you yeah. you know about your body uh, to like it, but and it, it feels hurtful yeah you know yeah so um i just want to say that like again this all really goes intimacy. back to yes it's intimacy yeah. communicating that's why mm-hmm. like i appreciate jaw a lot because ever since we started you know having sex it's like it was always a discussion in the first couple of times about respecting your boundaries yeah. and like seeing what you like and being open to yeah. exploring it further in a, in a way that's safe and, and I, nurturing. I think that's so true. Yeah. Sex is a part of relationship building. Yes. Obviously you can have casual sex and have encounters that you'd like. I am sensitive though. I do. I don't, yeah. you know, I don't know how to like do a one night stand. Like I feel like I can have sex with my friends if it's consensual mm-hmm. in both ways, mm-hmm. as long as we know what the boundaries are mm-hmm. in terms of our relationship. But it it is still something that I consider like special. Yeah. Whoever I'm doing it with, you yeah. know? And that's a beautiful journey coming from your first time being so impersonal to now understanding what your needs are and what you want from it. And that's exactly what it is. Yeah. What are your needs? What do you want from sex? How does it heal you, benefit you, help you grow? And how and and also help your relationship grow, you know? Yeah. And also it's like I know we don't this is another vital part of this conversation that we don't have time or knowledge to go into today but like mm-hmm. asexuals right right like the, they don't really have a desire to have sex but I'm always curious to hear about like how they earn how they become p- intimate partners right. with whoever they're with and yeah. and why sex is such an integral part that's been ingrained in our minds right. as a part of our identity as women and men but like I'm curious to know what that's like yeah. too yeah. you know because it's part of normalizing all of this you're right because sex is just another activity that people do in a relationship maybe some people garden together and get the same amount of intimacy and connection, you know? Yes. Yeah, so I just feel like it's I, it's time to stop over-sexualizing sex. Yeah. Ugh. Amen to that. And you know what it's time for right now? I can't wait. Is it time for? It's time for... Okay, I am sweaty. I am fucking buzzing from this. Yeah, like I, I love have it. never openly talked about like my first times. So I have never openly crazy. talked about my first time. And now all of you know. Yeah. Cool. And, and so to cap it off, we're going to share other things we like to do. <laughs> um, this week, we've got one unsolicited pick each. Um, and I think they're good ones. Uh, my pick, and Roxy talked about it at the top of the show, is The Cho Show, which is on Hulu. Fucking um, amazing. If you know the artist David Cho. He has a show that I guess he self-funded on FX. And if so, if you have Hulu, you can watch it. Um, It is a fucking masterpiece. It is. It's kind of like PBS meets Bourdain meets therapy. Like it's it's really madcap. It's so raw. So raw, so honest. Um, He is basically doing an exploration of self involving friends who do happen to be celebrities. And through these conversations, he's he's finding healing for his own personal trauma. Preska showed me the first episode yesterday. And the first thing that came to my mind was we're all the same. Yeah. Like they had, uh, he had Kat Von D. Yeah. And then he had um, Asa Akira, right. you know, um, just everyone from different experiences. But when they open up and share about like what it is that they went through and um, also Kat Von D's husband, Raphael, yeah. the music artist, producer, so much of it sort of relates to what we talk about here on yeah. this podcast because we're basically laying out in the open Mm -hmm. the things that we went through that connect us the most but are most unspoken about right and it really gets to you in your heart it does and you know I think Abe was when Abe and I were watching you know we were watching late at night and I 
And I was like, oh, wow, it's David Cho. And he's like crazy. And um, he's going to all these kind of like sexually deviant topics and, you know, all these things. And Abe was like, after the first episode was like, this is exactly what you guys are doing on Two Horny Goats. And I was like, no, it's not. He's like, you don't see it. And it took a bit of processing. But I was like, the more interesting thing like I was like I get what you're saying and the interesting thing about it is I think we're coming from such different starting points but ending at such similar conclusions yeah you know of like at the end of it I think he says he's like at the end of the day you guys seem cool and all this but you're just loving hurt children and I oh that hit me so hard yeah because I was like at the end of the day all, all we want is to hug and hold our inner children and heal our inner children so I I think it's a great show obviously it shows the inner workings of David Cho's mind which can be beautiful and grotesque thrilling and terrifying and so it's all of the things and it's it's really worth taking taking a a watch. I can't wait to watch the rest of the episodes. Yes! It's such a good wreck. Maybe we'll watch one during lunch. Okay. And then um, my recommendation or unsolicited pick this week is a place called Boba Bear. Boba Have you been? Bear? No, but I saw the picture. Okay. So basically Rochelle and I had lunch a couple days ago and then afterwards she was like, let's go get Boba. Yeah. Right. And um, of course my favorite Boba shop right now is Sunrite Tea Studios yeah. in Little Tokyo, but that was a little far. So we looked up this place called Boba Bear Yeah. and it's on Western and And then once we got there, we were like, wait a second. (laughs) We ended up not getting Boba at Boba Bear. Okay. Boba Bear has Boba. Yes, this is true. But they also are a full bar. (laughs) What? And they have like, you know, pictures of soju. And then um, also they have hookah. And, oh my god and so you remember fun. remember Did when you hookah? lived do you remember like yeah. when you when we lived in mentone like rochelle and i would hookah all the time because now time. fumi gave him gave us his old hookah oh, yeah and there's a bunch of hookah bars yeah. in culver yeah, yeah 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 so it was something that i did all the time when i was in college Ugh. through my early 20s and uh you know rochelle has quit smoking and i have quit smoking we right. both used to be uh heavy smokers right. i just said wow like is this a sign or what so we ended up getting like <laughs> a pitcher of yogurt soju yes. and then we ended up getting a hookah and she only took one puff because she's celebrating her one year of not smoking oh my god and also as a grown friend i do not push those boundaries never 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 we had some guava hookah i had guava hookah my lungs oh my are definitely not what they used to be (laughs) but i had a head high real quick it was so much fun i think i'm gonna go back real soon oh my god i just drink yeah come and yeah do you smoke hookah i've smoked with you guys before yeah yeah i I just not often you'll probably have better lungs for it than i do because my lungs are just like a fourth of yours the size of yours i don't know i mean i can't hit my weed vape without like coughing so yeah that's different that's different um but this is this is great i'm almost like inspired to buy like a hookah for myself and i'm like wait a second like where is this going (laughs) you know i work so hard on myself on my health journey like just go to boba bear just go to boba bear and um it's really great so make sure to go check that out Woo! awesome um and so we can't leave you without giving you a little bit of class ring 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 classes in session Ow! it's time for let's speak taiwanese going off of our topic for today i think that uh let's learn some phrases of consent Ooh, shall we i love that yes so it's like do you want to fuck right yeah 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 do you want to fuck <laughs> no, no. Oh. and then and then your response would be oh, oh, oh. either i don't want to okay right or okay oh oh okay right? uh-huh and okay is very easy okay like how right how okay huh. Huh. yeah huh. yeah like let's just that's go, exactly huh. how i want so, uh, to say it too do you want to fuck 
Huh. <laughs> <laughs> but sort fine. of like nonchalant, whatever. Yeah, like, well, uh, if you get on top, fine. Yeah, yeah. Always missionary. Uh, like I I'm just, I will make there and I'll emit noises, but don't ever ask me to go on top. Um, yeah, it's tiring it's so on much tired. It's so tiring it's on really top. Really tiring. On um, top. Okay, so then um, the negation of that is I don't want to mm. wabuai. So it's like, Priska, mm-hmm. do you want lunch? Wabuai. Oh, really? Oh, actually. Uh, huh. Okay. <laughs> so I uh, always want lunch. I always want lunch yeah. too. So it's like, uh, uh, if you're in a bad mood, wabuai. You know? Wabuai. <laughs> right? Uh, so uh, those are the two phrases. So now Use you know how to respond. Wisely. Use them wisely to offer consent or to decline. Got it. So this is for people looking for a good fuck in Taiwan. <laughs> We've now given you the tools to have a one night stand yes. in Taiwan. Good luck. Let us know how it goes. Yeah. Remember, you can always write us or send us a voice note on at hello at twohornigots.com. And remember, if you want to donate to us, you may also do that at. Yeah. at Well, we're at twohornigots.com. There's a little button. It says donate. You can support us like a bra. You can hang on to us. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, and, and we put everything towards the podcast. It's not like Roxy and I are buying ourselves expensive champagne for each other anymore. No, I'm no. <laughs> We still drink Andre's. I know. We're still on that budget. You know what I'm saying? But we just appreciate y'all for coming on this journey. I know this is a very sensitive topic. And if you have stories, like we'd love to hear them. If you want to stay anonymous, like we're more than happy to keep you anonymous. Um, or if you just want to have like, you know, a conversation with us. We know that aftercare for a topic like this can be really a key. So feel free to DM us or email us. Um, we'd love to hear your stories and and hear, you know, what virginity means to you, um, maybe in the past or today or looking in the future. Well, we're going to miss all y'all for another week. So make sure to stay tuned. <laughs> make sure to come back next week for our next episode, which you would not want to miss. You're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be really good. We're going to find out who we are. Oh my god. Oh my god. So in that word, yeah. Have a horny week. Our lovely goatees. And remember, stay horny. This podcast is hosted by Roxy and Priska, music by Abraham Kim, artwork by Connie N. Please visit us at twohornygoats.com. Have thoughts or questions for us, email us at hello at two <laughs> email us at two horny goats. <laughs> Email us at hello at two horny goats. <laughs> Email us at hello at two horny goats dot com. Bye. Fucking eyes that I'm staring at Let me see that ass Look at all this cash And I've emptied out my cars too Now I'm fucking leaning on that Bring your love, baby, I can bring my shame Bring the drugs, baby, I can bring my pain I got my heart right here my scars right here bring the cups baby i can bring the drink bring your body baby i can bring your fame and that's my motherfucking word
Put down your perfume 